Our passage today is from 2 Corinthians 2, 14 to 3, 6. It is on page 1160 of the Church Bibles. But thanks be to God, who always leads us as captives in Christ's triumphal procession and uses us to spread the aroma of the knowledge of him everywhere. For we are to God the pleasing aroma of Christ among those who are being saved and those who are perishing. To the one we are aroma that brings death, to the other aroma that brings life. And who is equal to such a task? Unlike so many, we do not peddle the word of God for profit. On the contrary, in Christ we speak before God with sincerity, as those sent from God. Are we beginning to commend ourselves again? Or do we need, like some people, letters of recommendation to you or from you? You yourselves are our letter, written on our hearts, known and read by everyone. You show that you are a letter from Christ, and the result of our ministry, written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. Such confidence we have through Christ before God, not that we are competent in ourselves to claim anything for ourselves, but our competence comes from God. He has made us competent as ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the spirit. For the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. Thanks so much, Fiona, for reading that. And please do keep it open. It's on page 1160, page 1160, if you've let that close. Hello to you if you're here in church, especially if you're new. It's great to see you. And uh, it's great to see some familiar faces too. Hello, everyone online. It's great to have you join us. Uh, in addition, my name's Jeremy, if we haven't already met. <laughs> Sean, great to see you particularly. Good. Well, um, uh, the Apostle Paul says in this part of Corinthians that he speaks before God with sincerity as someone sent from God. That alone should command our attention. And we're going to pray then that we would hear God speak to us as we look at this section of his letter together. Let's pray as we begin. Let's pray. We've just sung these words, Emmanuel, our God is with us now. And so I pray, um, Father God, as we meet here this afternoon in this part of North London, I pray that we would know that you are with us personally. And I pray, Father, that we would hear your voice speaking. And I pray, Father, that we would be humble enough to hear what you're saying and to respond in the way that you intend Please make us into people who take you seriously, I pray, Father God, and so into people who, who live more closely in relationship with Jesus Christ. And we ask these things in his name. Amen. It's, um, it's fair to say, I think, that everything that's worth having has its counterfeit. For everything that's valuable and genuine, there is uh, the equivalent, which is fake. Uh, it's not just in physical things. I don't know whether you saw in the newspapers today that eBay have introduced a new laboratory and every watch which is sold on eBay for more than, I think, 2,000 pounds has to go to their laboratory so that it can be certified as absolutely genuine. There's a picture on the screen of one of their examiners at work on a watch. That was in the news this morning. It's not just physical things, but it's things that you can't see as well. 
So there's real, uh, there's real human happiness, for instance. There's happiness, and that's a, that's a wonderful thing. Uh, but then you can produce a, a fake and a temporary happiness uh, using chemicals that you can buy from a dealer on a street. And that's the kind of thing that is going to be destructive, that's going to destroy you. There are valuable things, and the more valuable they are, the more likely they are to be counterfeited, the more likely it is that they're going to be fake versions of it, and the more that it matters, I think, if something's valuable. If someone uh, gives me a, a 5p and change which is uh, clearly counterfeited, that's okay, that's not, gonna, that's not gonna mess up my day. If someone passes off a 50 quid note, then yeah, that's a little bit more serious. If you spend five quid down in a market on a painting, you don't worry too much about whether it's been painted by a famous painter. If you buy a Picasso, then whether it's genuine or not matters a great deal because it's a very valuable item. And the same thing is true when it comes to presentations of Christianity. Now, the way that Christianity is presented by different people that we might come across. Because authentic Christianity is so good and so valuable. Um, if you don't yet know that, I, I hope you'll discover that. It's, Christianity is full of, of God's undeserved kindness to you and, uh, and, and the cross where Jesus died for you and, and the life that he gave for you and, and an experience, an everyday experience where you're humbled and you're grateful and you're given purpose and you're given a direction and a God to pray to and a church to belong to, yeah? The gospel of Jesus Christ is very good indeed. Authentic Christianity is so good and it's so valuable that there are hundreds, maybe thousands of counterfeits in the world. And if you're looking into Christianity, that might be one of the big things that puts you off. I wouldn't be at all surprised. Because um, how are you going to tell what's real Christianity and what isn't? I mean, um, every fake's going to claim to be authentic, so how do you choose? And that was exactly the issue facing the church in Corinth. The people to whom this part of the Bible, this letter called 2 Corinthians, was written. We're going to be looking at it over the course of the next year on and off. If, if you look towards the end of the letter, you'll see that they're in the process of choosing between different presentations of the gospel. One presented by uh, the Apostle Paul, looks a bit raggedy and uh, uh, not, not massively impressive, or, or the version of Christianity presented by what Paul goes on to call the super apostles. And they're not always brilliant at spotting the fakes. So you see up on the screen a uh, a verse from chapter 11, verse 4. Chapter 11, verse 4 of this book. It says, this is Paul writing to the Corinthian church, for if someone comes to you and preaches a Jesus other than the Jesus we preached, or if you receive a different spirit to the spirit you received, that was originally received when he visited them, or a different gospel from the one you accepted, you put up with it easily enough. They hadn't been brilliant at spotting the fakes. They'd been taken in by something which isn't authentic. And to be honest, we can be the same. You know, well, if we're wanting to assess a church, maybe we'll look at the church website, and, uh, and, and if it's got 
young people and, and a lot of things going on. And if it seems to have a plan, and if, particularly if it has a minister that we've heard of, he might have written a couple of books, we'll think, well, that must be a place worth visiting. And, it, and if it's got success and it's got confidence and it's got credentials, then it's very easy to get swept up by the whole thing and assume that what's going on is what God would want to be going on. You know, that, those aren't bad things in themselves. You know, they're not bad things, but real ministry. Well, Paul sort of has been describing real ministry and will carry on describing real ministry in the first three chapters of 2 Corinthians. He's talking about authentic ministry and authentic presentation of the gospel in these first three chapters chapters and he's already said it's about weakness and it's not about what, what we described as power stances it's, it's not about that it's about it's often it often looks weak and it's about good motives on the inside even though that might look a little bit messy on the outside it often does because those were things that characterized jesus yeah apparent weakness And now Paul's going to carry on as he writes to the Corinthians. And he, and, and he says that a real presentation of the gospel, real Christian ministry, is about victories and it is about recommendations and it is about competence, but not in the way that you think. That's his point in, in, in this section. And we can look at the first part of it. And we're giving this a, a title as a summary authentic ministry that's the way that christianity is presented authentic ministry is triumphant okay triumphant and some people find it quite annoying when when people do that but i'm going to carry on doing it just so you remember what i'm teaching you okay authentic ministry is triumphant but but not in the way that you think um, i don't know if you're into football uh, but if you are and, and you're an Arsenal supporter, then you might remember these scenes on the, uh, on, on the screen. Photo taken from 2015. Anyone there? Just me, I guess. Still got the flag at home. 2015. Uh, Arsene Wenger on the tour bus going down Upper Street with the, uh, uh, with the Arsenal team. Because the team had just won the FA Cup. 4-0 uh, against Aston Villa famous day and it was their victory parade that's what you do when you've won a great victory and similarly in in this part of 2 Corinthians Paul is saying Jesus has won an amazing victory have a look at that in verse 14 and in a sense he's on a victory parade down there on page 1160 uh, next to small number 14 in the left hand column that's what it says but thanks be to God who always leads us as captives in Christ's triumphal procession. He's in a triumphal procession, in a victory parade, Paul is, and he's convinced that Jesus, who is leading this parade like a, like a victorious emperor, he's convinced that Jesus is a mighty king who has seen off death. And that is a victory he can get behind. And I hope you get behind as well. But he's not claiming that the victory is his. No, no, not at all. He says he's always like one of the defeated slaves at the back of the procession. As if in, in, in the victory parade there'd been a, a, a defeated Aston Villa player who was just sort of following the bus looking, looking dejected. As if to emphasize 
the incredible victory that Arsenal had won. So what does Paul do? He goes around the world. He goes around the world talking about the victory that Jesus had won on the cross. But, but he's always like one of those humiliated losers, one of the defeated slaves. And to put it bluntly, he looks stupid, as he does say. Why? Well, Paul changes the picture at the end of chapter 2, verse 14. Changes the picture. And he says he's always giving off a smell. He's always giving off a smell. I don't, has anyone noticed that their service sheet has a particular smell this week? Just, um, just maybe smell the top of your service sheet. Can you smell that? Can anyone identify it? I'm looking to some of the men amongst us. Mark, Stephen, James, Adam. Anyone's famous smell? Lynx Africa. <laughs> Properly. Correctly identified. Okay, Lynx Avrissa, as loved by teenage boys all over the world. Um, has remarkable effects if the adverts are anything to be believed. Um, they smell of Lynx Africa. Well, Paul has a smell. Okay, and this smell goes with him wherever he goes. And it's the smell of the knowledge of Jesus. Can you see that in verse 14? God uses us to spread, the, uh, to spread the aroma of the knowledge of him, that's Jesus, everywhere, wherever he goes. Knowledge of him everywhere. Verse 15, for we are to God the pleasing aroma of Christ among those who are being saved and those who are perishing. Verse 16, to the one we are an aroma that brings death, to the other an aroma that brings life. Paul's been going around the ancient world. Uh, year after year, you know, Troas, Philippi, Galatia, Colossae. He's been traveling around the Mediterranean world, going from town to town to town, talking about the cross of Jesus Christ, immensely offensive in the first century to talk about anyone dying on a cross, let alone the person that you're claiming to be the Messiah. And, and yes, little churches are forming, incredibly fragile churches dotted around the ancient world. But almost everywhere he goes, it ends in apparent failure, and he looks stupid. Now, a few people respond. You know, there, there are a few people that like links Africa, mainly, uh, mainly, mainly teenage boys. But many people will turn their noses up at it. You know, and some of us have responded to the good news about, about Jesus Christ. Some, for some of us, that knowledge of Jesus Christ has become very, very precious if we're Christians, immensely precious, as it did to me when I, when I was a teenager. I wasn't expecting to become a Christian, but I learned about Jesus and the knowledge of Jesus, and what he did for me was immensely precious to me, and it continues to be so. But almost everywhere that Paul goes, it seems to end in failure. His presentation of Jesus doesn't seem to be successful enough for anyone to really notice or, or for anyone to take it seriously, you see. Authentic ministry is triumphant, but not in the way that you think. It, it, it proclaims the triumph of Jesus Christ. It draws all the attention to him. It doesn't look at all triumphant for the person who's bringing the message. Often it looks like defeat. Some, some, some people will get it. Some people, it, 
will find it to be the aroma of life. It'll lead them to heaven. Others will turn up their noses and it'll, it'll lead them to death. And, and if they won't have this saviour, says Paul, they won't have any saviour at all. It's a serious thing to be given a message like that, isn't it? It's a great responsibility. Who is equal to that, asks Paul. Well, the question is for us, if we just pause briefly, which smell do we want to be known for? I mean, you can put that in your phone if you want as a, as, as a sort of reminder that comes up halfway through the week. You'll think you've gone completely mad. But which smell do we, do we want to be known for? What smell do you want to be known for? Do we want the sweet smell of success as, um, as a church? Or, or, or more subtly, are we jealous of churches that have that sweet smell of success. There are plenty of ministers around like that, let me tell you, who are jealous of other people's success. You know the proverb, nothing succeeds like success. And part of us would love to smell like that, or we'd love to be a part of a church that smelled like that. Then he says, but we want to be the kind of church that smells strongly of the knowledge of Jesus. Well, strongly enough anyway for people to be able to make up their minds. You know, if, 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 if you just catch the faint whiff of a smell, you can't really tell whether you like it or not. We want to be smelling strongly enough of Jesus so that people can decide whether they're going to accept him or whether they're not going to accept him. And some people will walk away. You know, his triumph has humbled us. It's defeated all of our pride. We know that we're slaves because he's bought us. We belong to him lock, stock and barrel. He's won the triumph. Our triumph is only found in him in and of ourselves. We're defeated by him. And yet his is the victory. Some people are going to find that message to be a stink and they're going to walk out. And we'll look weak and stupid, just like Jesus did. People walked away from Jesus. Can you believe that? And sometimes we won't look successful enough to be taken seriously by people. But to... But to some people, the triumph of Jesus will be the sweetest thing they've ever had. And they'll be glad that they caught the smell from us. And there are some people at Trinity like that. They came along and they heard about Jesus and now they're on the path to life. Praise to him. That's Paul's first point then. But Paul, is, is he's still worried that um, people might think he's putting himself center stage. You see that? chapter 3 verse 1 are we beginning to commend ourselves again and that's what leads him on to his um, second point authentic ministry is commended okay authentic ministry is commended just not in the way that you think and you know it, it doesn't matter who commends you doesn't it it matters who is giving you that commendation so have a look at this um, film poster I saw this film poster the other day uh, the father I don't know whether you've ever seen that. Anthony Hopkins is supposed to be on the form of his life. But it matters who commends you. Um, so I don't know if you can see up at the top. They always put it in extremely small writing, don't they? But um, uh, I don't know if you can see who's commended this film. Always in tiny writing. At the top, five stars from the, from the Eye, the newspaper, the Eye, national newspaper. The Radio Times, okay. Uh, the Daily Express. And then bottom right, five stars from Hey You Guys. Who are they? Hey You Guys. 
Five stars. Um, it, it, it matters, doesn't it? Who is giving you a commendation? And these new leaders that have come into the Corinthian church, the so-called super apostles, have a stack of references. They've got a whole suitcase full of recommendations that they haul around from church to church. And they say, would you mind writing me a reference? And uh, I guess the people say that they will. And they, and they turn around to Paul and they say, Paul, where are your credentials? You don't seem to have a whole lot of backers. You know, very few endorsements on the back of your books, I've noticed, Apostle Paul. Yeah, five-star reviews from Tim Keller and, and Don Carson, notably absent, I think. To which Paul has an astonishing answer. Comes in chapter 3, verse 2. Astonishing answer. Paul says, you yourselves, Corinthians, are our letter, written on our hearts, known and read by everyone. You show that you are a letter from Christ, the result of our ministry, written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God. Not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts, written on the heart. And Paul has, has a letter, but it's not from another church or from people with degrees and titles. It comes from Jesus. Will that be good enough for you, says Paul? Letter from Jesus. It's not actually a recorder or anything as commonplace as paper. It's, um, it's written on hearts. Uh, and it's, it's not inscribed with anything as ordinary as ink. No, it's written with the Spirit of God. Um, is, that, um, is that impressive enough for you? Uh, the Spirit records on, on my heart, verse 2, the God-given love that I have for you, the concern that I have for you, which goes way beyond the ordinary. And he's written on your hearts, the, the Spirit-given difference that it's made to you, the fact that your lives have been transformed, the fact that you're growing and becoming different. You've seen this happen, says Paul, just like, just like we saw last week in the last section that we looked at. Search your hearts, you know it to be true. You know, if we, if, if we want to assess a church, if we want to know whether a ministry is genuine, and, and, and if we're looking for impressiveness, then we're going to miss things like this. Things like genuine affection, transformed lives. If we just look superficially at, it, at a church website, we're not going to pick this up. That the mark of an authentic ministry is something very quiet and unshowy. It's longer term rather than shorter term. A, a, a concern shown by Christian leaders, a love that they demonstrate, a real change in the lives of Christians. And that kind of church is commended by Jesus. We want to be a church like that, don't we? That's the commendation. Authentic ministry is commended. Because thirdly, authentic ministry is competent. Now we're going to come back again to these verses uh, again next week, so I'm not going to dwell very long on them. But you can see how this endorsement from Jesus, this letter that Jesus has written in spirit, on heart, is what, Paul, is what, is what gives Paul a new confidence that he's competent to do the work. And that's where Paul goes in these last few verses, chapter 3, verses 4 to 6. Authentic ministry is competent, just not in the way that you'd expect. 
You know, in many ways, Paul's answering the question at the end of verse 16, yeah? Who is equal to such a task? Well, well, we are, says Paul, not because we're competent in ourselves, verse 5, but because Jesus makes us competent as ministers of a new covenant, verse 6, of this life-giving, spirit-driven ministry. Jesus himself endorses us in proclaiming that good news. Now, we're going to see much more of that next week, so I won't go into that in any detail. But just as we finish, let me say this. This is how it's been. This is how it's been challenging me this week. Because as, as, as we go about always spreading the aroma everywhere of, of the knowledge of, of Jesus, as we do so, some people are going to accept the message uh, that we're sharing, but many, many people will treat us like a bad smell. And I think that leaves us feeling pretty inadequate, doesn't it? A lot of us feel quite inadequate in, in the work to which we've been called about the way that we present Jesus to other people. We kind of think, I'm no good at this, I can't do it. It's not working. Um, I can think of a really good friend who gets three quarters of the way through a Bible study and then they just think to themselves, I can't do this. I, just, I, I can't. My life's too full of failure. I'm just the wrong person. I've got to pull out. Someone told me they had a conversation with a friend this week, uh, and they talked about Jesus. But then 30 minutes later, I don't know if you ever had this experience, they suddenly thought, I know what I should have said. Oh, oh this is awful. Why, why didn't I think of that at the time? I just can't, I can't do this. I'm not going to bother telling people about Jesus anymore because... I, I just can't think of the right words at the right time. It never, never works. I'm going to give up. And I know, I know of a number of, of preachers who walk home on a Sunday night blackly depressed after they've preached because they just kind of think, that was a car crash. It was awful. I can't do this. It's not possible. Please, can someone else take over? I just feel so inadequate. And the thing is that real ministry looks weak and is often rejected. It looks weak and rejected. Our lives might be full of failure. But we trust in God. We, we can get beyond the feelings of inadequacy. That is really true. We can find a sense of legitimacy, of value in what we're doing, just not in the way that we'd expect. You see, it's important. It's not about our natural abilities. It's not about our personality. It's not about our apparent success. It comes when we smell of the knowledge of Jesus Christ. When people see something in us or hear something from us that tells them something about the triumphant Jesus Christ. Because he is authentic. He's not a fake. And a ministry that points out his triumph is real. It's not a counterfeit. And so we're going to share it out of love and, and out of sincerity like Paul through Christ before God for an audience of one. You see, for an audience of one before God. We're not called to be successful. We're not called to be confident. We're not called to be endorsed by everybody we meet. That's okay. We're called to be faithful 
smelly Christians. And if that's all we are, then God will write a letter on our hearts that assures us that the competence comes from him. We're going to pray then as we finish. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you that you don't call for apparent success, apparent confidence, superficial endorsement. As we go about our ministries that might look weak and defeated, much like Jesus' ministry did on earth much of the time, that we can impart to others, however imperfectly, that the knowledge of your son Jesus Christ, his death on the cross in our place, his triumph over death itself, and his triumphal procession in, in victory. We're just slaves. We're just slaves. But we can smell of Jesus. And so I pray, Father, that we would spread that aroma always, everywhere. We know, Father, that some will decide that it smells sweet, and many will decide that it stinks. But we know that our endorsement doesn't come from our apparent success. That liberates us so much because we're simply to be faithful for an audience of one. And you will endorse us. Please help us feel that endorsement, Father, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.